What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Active Eye Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch. I'm your host, and today we're joined by Joelle Cavanero. You might know her on Instagram as Joelle Samantha. We're talking about things like how to know when it's time for you to leave your safe, cushy, comfortable job for the uncertain future of a potential career that you would love. After this episode's over, if you want, head to our website, check out the show notes, go to the Instagram page, wherever you want to go, we're going to make it easy for you. Joelle actually created a PDF for you to make decisions about whether or not the job that you're at is the one that you should be at, or if you should be thinking about how to transition out to doing something on your own. I think you guys will love it. It's going to make things really easy for you. And this show is going to be full of nuggets about how Joelle went from being a student who was just kind of always fit looking to being somebody who actually is healthy, is fit, and is now coaching people from all around the world on how to do it for themselves. You're going to really like this. Here we go. Joelle Cavanero, if they're looking for you on Instagram, Joelle Samantha, yep. welcome to the Active Life Podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure. I appreciate you coming on. I was just telling you that I've actually been following you since you had long hair, and I think maybe you were still a teacher at that time. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So I was teaching for four years, and mm-hmm. before that I was in school finishing up my uh, exercise science master's. Um, but I had long hair until, uh, a little over a year ago. So it was like September 2018 ish. I think I cut it if we, if we want to talk timeline. Was it like, this is my year hairs off? I think it was kind of just like, I was ready for a change. I've had long curly hair my entire life. And, uh, it was just, I mean, I'm blonde. So when you add enough blonde over the years, it really just kind of destroys your hair. And I was like, I need a change. My hair is dead. New year, new me. I don't know. And I just cut it. <laughs> and, uh, and now I'm living the short hair life and, uh, got it straightened and the whole shebang. So Perfect. I don't know, just a new, new phase of life. All right. Well, if you guys are listening to this, don't worry. We're not going to go down the Pantene Pro V route. <laughs> this is not going to be we'll a shampoo commercial. We'll not share my hair care routine with you. Yeah, that's not what we're doing. But I would love for you to introduce yourself to our audience a little sure. bit because I know a fair amount about you. They might not. And I would love for them to learn about what you're doing and where you come from so that when we start talking about how you did it, it provides them with some, some yeah, perspective. Absolutely. Cool. So I am Joelle. I'm 27. I live in New York City with my husband and my really, really adorable puppy. And uh, I have a background in health education and physical education, which was what prompted my you know teaching. Um, so I was a high school health and phys ed teacher for four years. Um, but before I even got that job, I finished my undergrad in health and PE. And I just loved exercise science. I took one undergrad class for my health and phys ed degree in X science, in X phys. And, um, everyone bombed that class and I got an A in it. And I was like, this is my shit. Like, I like this. <laughs> I like this. And I've just always loved exercise. I grew up an athlete. I was a cross country runner. Me you, too. If you want to call that an athlete. Look, I, I did it too. <laughs> I was all, I was all conference. Yep. Definitely yep. an athlete. Yep. My husband too. <laughs> and, uh, and so we, I ran cross country. I also played lacrosse. I was a gymnast and, um, and I was one of those really annoying people that, you know, you're, your typical high school kid that ate whatever the hell they wanted and never gained weight. And people were always like, it's going to catch up with you one day. And I'm like, yeah, okay, Tina. Right. All right. I'll believe it when I see it. And so I ate like a total dirt bag and, uh, but it worked. I was running, you know, at least 10 miles every day. I burned, you know, through everything that I ate. Um, and then I went to college and I kept those same eating habits and I stopped running cross country. Where'd you go to college? So my first two years, I went away to school in Pennsylvania at a small school called Lockhaven. Okay. And then after those two years, um, I transferred back home to Adelphi on Long Island in Garden okay. City. Yeah. So, and then I stayed at Adelphi to do my master's. So my sister too. Oh yeah. And she Great coached across there. My dad too. Oh, no way. Yeah. I probably know. I don't, I don't think I know the coach, but I probably know some of the girls that she's coached from. That's likely. From health and phys ed. Yeah. Um, so I went to school there did health and PE transferred home. Um, amongst all of that, there was an eating disorder in there, which was part of my transferring home. And Tina got you. <laughs> Tina, Tina did it. That fucking um, bitch. well, so just to rewind a little bit, I went to college. I kept those same eating habits, 
and I wasn't running cross country. I'd go to the gym here and there. When I'd go to the gym, I'd go, you know, I could walk into the gym, run eight miles on a treadmill and leave and like do that a few times a week. That was my working out. Never really lifted weights. Um, and I gained 30 pounds my freshman year. And that, like, I know You're only people. Supposed to gain 15. Yeah, I know. I, I'm an overachiever. <laughs> what can I say? Um, so I know that, uh, you know, so many people are like, oh, you the freshman 15, right? From drinking. Mine was like not even from drinking. It was just like, I really love food. And, you know, you take me to a di- college dining halls that are open, you know, all hours of the, of, of the day and breakfast, lunch, and dinner three times a day. And you're like, okay, well, I'm eating double my body weight in cereal and brownies. So I gained a bunch of weight my freshman year. I went home for summer and I don't think I had even realized that I gained the weight. I guess maybe I carried it well. And I just remember I got home and my dad was like, what happened, Joel? <laughs> I, I was like, what do you mean what happened? And then he's like, well, you know, like you've, you've always been very fit and you've been an athlete and my dad was a bodybuilder. And, um, and so I grew up watching him compete in shows and diet. And I, you know, came from a very healthy household and my dad would say, you know, he'd, he'd get home from work sometimes and he'd see me like crushing a box of Cheez-Its and he'd be like, you just got home from a 12 mile practice. Did you eat any protein today? And I'd be like, he'd be like, tell me what you ate today. I'm like, uh, I had lucky charms for breakfast for lunch at school. I had a bag of popcorn, two chocolate chip cookies and a plate of French fries and now I just got home from practice and I had a box of Cheez-Its. And he'd be like, Joel, there's no protein in that. And it's I remember vividly looking at the box of, of Cheez-Its. It was like Cheddar Jack Cheez-Its. And I turned it over and it was like two grams of protein per serving. And I was like, Dad, I ate the whole box. That's like 10 <laughs> grams of protein in this. And I was like convinced. But you know, when you're young and, and you don't know literally anything about nutrition, you're like, oh, what's so bad about not having enough protein or not having enough sugar or, or having too much sugar or whatever. And so that summer I really was like, okay, I want to get back to things. Like some of my clothes aren't really fitting me. I want to feel fit again. Like I was always that kid that just like had abs and didn't really do anything except run. So I was just like, all right, I, I want to get back to that. And so I started going to the gym more, started going to the gym with my dad again. And, um, And then my dad was diagnosed with cancer that summer. And so exercise for me, just like running always was like running was that thing that like, if I was pissed off, I went for a run. If I was angry, I went for a run. If I was sad, I went for a run. Like it was that thing that just, it was my therapy. It was that thing that always cleared my head. And so when my dad got sick, that became my thing again. Um, Running or, or going to the gym? Just going to the gym. And, um, I loved cardio by nature as an endurance athlete. So I'd sometimes just go and I'd get on the stairs for an hour or I'd spin for an hour. Um, and so that weight started to come off and then somewhere along the way I fell into like, this was like pre Instagram or like the very, very beginning of Instagram really when Pinterest was like a a big thing. And, This was around 2011, 2012, just to kind of give everyone a timeline. So before we had this like massive fitness community on Instagram or before online coaches or anything like that. And so I somewhere along the way started, you know, seeing on Pinterest or I think it really was all from Pinterest, these like ripped girls. And I was like, I want to look like that. Like I want abs. I want to be lean like that. Like I've always been skinny, but like I want to look fit now. And so I went through this phase of like, I want to be a bodybuilder. Like I want to. And so anyway, to fast forward, the, <laughs> to fast forward all of this, because this story could take a year to tell. I lost all of that weight and then some, and this is something that I'm really adamant about teaching people is that there's not just you're cutting or you're bulking. There's an in-between phase. There's a maintenance phase where most people should be living at. But when you are 18, 19 years old and you're just trying to get fit, trying to get abs and you take a 19 year old kid and Google like how to get abs by summer or how to get abs in six weeks or something stupid like that you find all sorts of garbage of don't eat carbs, don't eat fat, don't eat sugar, 
Well, and that 19 year old kid becomes 35. Yeah. Becomes 40, 45. And, and, and they're looking for and the same stuff. And they're still believing, yes. right, the same things because we all want quick fixes, right? We live in this generation of instant gratification where we want results right mm-hmm. away. And so we want quick fixes and we would rather take a pill than do the hard work. And, um, and I was the same way at that age. Like I just wanted to do what was quick. I didn't care. Oh, it's bad for my health. Like, okay. And truth be told, I was trying to do things that I thought were good for me. I never, I never had the intention of like, I just want to get skinnier and skinnier and skinnier. Like I wanted to lose the weight and then I wanted to compete in bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. Like I was trying to get jacked. I was never trying to get skinny, quote unquote. Um, but I just didn't know. And so I lost that weight just from changing my eating habits. Um, I really can't even tell you anything that I did specifically to lose the initial weight. It was just, I was moving more and I was eating, I was making better food choices. I wasn't, you know, hammering down cereal in the morning. I'd have an omelet in the morning instead. Um, and just, you know, small switches here and there. And so, so you, you, Get yourself to a place where, okay, you're at least in control of your own physique as far as you thought. Right. You know, are you in control of your physique or is your physique in control of you? A totally different conversation we could have about eating disorders forever. Yeah. When did you, when did you start become, like, when did you become a health and phys ed teacher? So all of this weight loss journey and wanting to be a bodybuilder journey and eating disorder journey was while I was in school for teaching. While you were in school so to learn how to So this was while I was in college for health and phys ed. So you were at Adelphi this time. So this, the beginning of it, of the eating disorder was at my second year away in Pennsylvania. Got it. And then, and then it, pretty be, it pretty much became like full-fledged eating disorder. And my parents were like, listen, like you're, you're not doing great on your own. Like you got to come home. And luckily I have super, super supportive parents and- I was also still really naive where I was like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like I'm the one with abs. So who's the one doing the right thing here? Like, obviously I, you know, you get this cockiness to you when you are in shape or when you get lean like that, where you think you know better than everybody else. And truth is like, I thought I was doing all the right things. I thought that I was being super healthy by not eating carbs or being super healthy by not eating sugar and uh, only having egg whites instead of eggs. And by the amount of exercise that I was doing, I truly believed like I was the epitome of health. Yeah. Well, because it goes to the, it goes to the problem that is people look at the outcome and they're, they're like, okay, well, if I want to look like that, it doesn't matter how I get there. That I is just, what healthy right, looks like. Right. I have a, a friend of mine, Rachel, I don't know if you know who Rachel Belkovic is, but she's, she's a strength and conditioning, well, was a strength and conditioning coach mm-hmm. for the Houston Astros. And now she's going to be one of the hitting coaches for the New York Yankees, cool. which is really cool. Yeah. And she As talked about- female, even better. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. When she was the first female in professional yeah. sports. When we talked about how she praises and, and criticizes her athletes- one of the things she described was, I don't congratulate a guy for running a fast 60 because he was born fast. I congratulate a guy for doing the work that it took to be able to run a fast 60 because Bingo. that's what's going to carry over. Bingo. And that's what you're describing. Yep. Like yep. You, who cares if he can run a fast 60? Yeah. If you just do it fast. Right. And that's so, the same thing that I really talk about with my clients. And we'll get into kind of my online coaching here too. But when I am, my clients do weekly check-ins with me, my one-on-one uh, coaching clients, we do weekly check-ins. They send in some update forms and I record voice memos back to them, kind of walking them through, you know, how that week went. And, you know, I have clients that they have to, they have to list their strengths of the week and their struggles of the week and what they can do to improve upon those struggles. And, um, I strictly ask them on their strengths to identify non-scale victories. What does that mean? Oh, non, non, like non physical scale. Yes. Non-physical scale, because otherwise what happens is, I get a client and their win of the week is I'm down two pounds this week and I will never get on there and congratulate you for losing two pounds ever. What I will come on there and do is praise you for the habits and the behaviors that you've changed that elicited that fat loss. It's not the fat loss. That's the win. It's the behavior changes that you've made And the fat loss is the plus. The fat loss is the result of the changes that you've made. And so I love that you mentioned that of like, you're not rewarding the result. You're rewarding the behavior that got you to that result. Well, because that's what's repeatable. Right. But if if it's just results, like, okay, right. I don't know how many times I can do this. Yeah. You need to be behavior driven and not result driven. Yeah. I I mean, I'll be be straight up with you right now. I'm in um, freshman year of college, Joel phase in that like I used to work out 
two hours a day. Yeah. Totally yeah. unnecessary. Same. And I was like, six pack. I looked good. I weighed 145, 150 yeah. pounds as a full grown adult. Right. So it wasn't that hard Lean. to, yeah. Yeah, to, to have a six pack. Um, and now I don't work out, don't work out nearly as often. Right. I have the exact same eating habits. And I'm like, I told my wife this in the kitchen. I'm like, I got to change something You're about like, the way things, I'm eating. Things are changing. Yes. My body's changing. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to avoid swinging all the way to eating disorder. Yeah. But it's, it, yeah. you know, it happens. Right. You have to be, you have to be conscious of the habits that you have. Yeah. So people don't know this if they don't live in New York. And I don't think all of our listeners are in New York. Getting a job as a phys ed teacher mm. in New York. Keep in mind, guys, there's two to four phys ed teachers in a school. Yeah. There's, you know, depending on the school. Yeah. Yeah. There could be 12 science teachers. Right. There could be 12 social studies teachers. So there might be two to four phys ed teachers in a school and everybody who has a phys ed job, if you can picture the old school phys ed teacher rolling the ball out and mm. saying, go play. That's mm. because when people have a phys ed job, they keep it forever, yep. forever. Yeah. And they don't want to to come by because they, people don't retire. Like you don't yeah. leave once Be you get because, that job, you're locked in. Cause it's cush. Yeah. You get to wear sweatpants yeah. to work yeah. and you get benefits. You get full-time yeah. pay, you get pension. It's, it's amazing. Right. My right. sister is a phenomenal phys ed teacher. Yeah. Phenomenal. And she's been looking for a phys ed job full-time for like a decade, mm. a decade. Yeah. And every time that there's one that comes up, it's like, she's been in the school for three years, but the superintendent's like nephew needs yep. a job. Someone so they knew get someone. It. Yeah. Yes. It's all, it's all. And, and look, it's I, a political game. And I would tell people hundred percent, uh, this is not a, a podcast about my sister either, but she's awesome. Yeah. It's not like, I'm like, Oh yeah, my sister's great. Right. Like she's right. the newspaper constantly comes and covers her classes. Cause she's doing oh, such innovative that's things. Amazing. So anyway, you left that. I wonder if she speaks at any of like the phys ed conferences that I've she doesn't to. because she probably She'll listen to this. Yeah. She probably doesn't have the confidence to put herself out there to do it yet. We got to get you up there, girlfriend. Because she's not full time. Yeah. She's like, who, what, what physician teacher going to listen to me? I'm not even full time. Doesn't mean you don't know your shit. And she definitely knows her shit. That's awesome. So you left that. Yeah. I mean, that is the job that like, I like I just said, my sister has been waiting a decade. It's a fantastic job. I would never steer anyone away from teaching. Um, I truly loved teaching and that was what was so hard for me about leaving. And that's what I really, really struggled with because I feel really lucky and really blessed to have two quote unquote jobs that I am extremely passionate about. And I'm extremely passionate about teaching. Um, I actually happen to love the health teaching far more than the phys ed teaching. Penis, penis, penis. (laughs) Exactly. Sex, drugs, rock and roll is is what I tell everybody. So, I loved teaching high school health. I mean, I had a ball. It was an inner city New York school. So like you just get all sorts of kids from all different walks of life. And, uh, and it was a lot of fun. Like, I mean, I really, really had a blast and you learn so much about kids and teenagers. And it's actually kind of funny. Like I thought when I started there, I would love the freshmen because they'd be like young and moldable. I freaking hated the freshmen and I loved my seniors. I thought the seniors were going to be like too damn cool for me, like too cool for school, but they were so awesome because they were like the kids you could have a real conversation with and the kids that like really looked up to you. Um, and it was more so like the freshmen that thought they were too cool for me because they just came from eighth grade thinking they're mm-hmm. like hot shit. You're like, shut up, you're yeah. stupid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I loved my seniors. Um, and so when, when I really started to feel like I wasn't sure if I could be all in on teaching anymore, um, was when I also started to just take more online clients and I started to realize how much I really, really loved helping people that wanted to be helped. All right. So let's, let's back up there a little bit because yeah. there's something that we missed. Okay. When did you start taking online clients? Like, okay. You're, you're, you're yeah, a health we, teacher. We missed a good a, chunk. You're a health and phys ed teacher. Yeah. At what point are you like, you know what? I have skills that are transferable outside of the classroom and I'm going to be able to find people on this invisible internet thing yeah. who are going to pay me for yeah. a service. Yeah. So that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought us back to that. Thank you. Um, so amongst this eating disorder, which at the time I would have never called an eating disorder. Now looking back, no, I'm just, like, you healthy. are fucked up, Joel. <laughs> um, but then I just thought I was, you know, being healthy, trying to be a bodybuilder. There was a, and I had Instagram at this time and it was growing, not because I was trying to, like this wasn't even an age where like people were trying to get followers on Instagram. Like, 
I used my Instagram and if you go be like super creepy stalkerish and you scroll way, 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 way back in my Instagram, you'll see that like I posted an ab workout. I posted a picture of an apple. Mm. I posted a picture of my protein shake that day. Like it was really just my own little accountability journal. And the more I shared, the more people followed it. Like people would be like, Hey, can you post an ab workout? Hey, can you post an arm workout? And I'd like, just sure. This is the workout that I did today. Here you go. And I realized that people really enjoyed me sharing my journey and also enjoyed the value of just like, Oh, that girl did that workout today. I'll go do that today. And so I started sharing that stuff. And somewhere along the way, there was uh, a man, a coach that reached out to me and said, Hey, um, I run a fitness coaching company online. Um, I'd love to coach you. Who was it? Someone I don't talk to anymore. Okay. I don't. E- I, I honestly don't I even you. know if he's still around. Okay. The the company was called Fit Body Life. Okay. And I don't. As far as I know, the company doesn't exist anymore. Um, Sorry, we can move off of that. Yeah, I'm not. I, I, that's, that's a whole. That's like, a whole nother topic. I got you. I got. You. There's, um, there's plenty of people who I'd be happy to talk about. Yeah. Um, in my in my past, right. you probably would be less comfortable about me having the conversation. Yeah, look, I'm I have no problem having the conversation. I just don't like to come on and badmouth anyone. Right, I get it. Um, but essentially, this person reached out to me and said, "Hey, I'm an online fitness coach. I didn't even know that existed then." And uh, he said, "I really I see how hard you're trying to build muscle, and I see that you want to be a bodybuilder." let me coach you for free. Like, I just want to, I just want to coach you. So you wanted to coach you on your own performance, not on being a coach. Right. You just wanted to coach me on like, let's get you eating and building muscle. if That's your goal. And so I was like, all right, like this guy wants to coach me for free. Sure. You know, why not? Sounds like a good deal for me. He's like, you know, just post tag me on Instagram and stuff. Like it was like the very beginning stages of like sponsorship, right? Before I even knew what that was. And so he coached me for a while and, um, eventually, and, and I mean, look, I did well, I put on muscle. I, and he really was the first person that opened up my eyes to tracking macros. And so as much as that business relationship didn't end up working out, I'm super grateful because he was the first person that really introduced to me, like, you don't need to just eat clean. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, because I was so stuck in this mindset of if it's not on my imaginary list in my head of good food and bad food, like if it's on the bad food list, I will get fat from it. And if it's on the good list, (laughs) I will get skinny from it. And we obviously know now that that's not true, but there's, and look, there's still a ton of people in that mindset of like good foods make you skinny and bad foods make you fat. Um, when we know now that like there's, there's very much a massive caloric equation, you know, of calories in calories out that takes place here. So did you start, did you get a nutrition education, like a formal nutrition education? So I, now I have at the time I did not yet. Like when I was working with him, no, um, I was in school for health and PE. And so I was taking nutrition classes and health classes Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, and so eventually he opened up my eyes to flexible dieting and, and it wasn't even coined that at the time. Um, but he was the person that was like, Hey, I'm going to explain something to you. And I know it's going to sound super crazy at first, but let's say you need 2000 calories a day to maintain your current weight. Whether you fill that 2000 calories with cookies and brownies and donuts, or you fill that 2000 calories with broccoli and egg whites and chicken breast, you would still weigh the same thing. And I was like, what? Like (laughs) I've been doing this wrong my entire life. Like what? Like it was, it was stunning to me. It was jaw dropping to me. And he's like, watch, let me show you, you know? And so he gave me a set of numbers and macros and calories. And I would, you know, fit a pop tart in to those numbers if I wanted to, or have a bowl of ice cream at the end of the night, if I was short on carbs or fat and I'd still magically maintain my weight or I'd magically lose weight. And so that's when I was like, holy shit, it's not just about what you're eating. It's about how much you're eating. Like I, I didn't know that. And so eventually maybe a year or two go by, I'm in a much better place mentally. And he's like, look, I want you to start coaching people under me. Um, I'll mentor you. You've seen how I do things. I want you to be a coach, you know, for my company. And so I did. And I started coaching people under him. And he like watched what I was doing first. I'd double check everything that I was giving them. And eventually I just started to see that I didn't like how things were being done. 
And I saw how low calorie he was putting people on. And when I would prescribe caloric amounts for people, he'd be like, no, that's too high. No, that's too high. And I started to realize that he was very results driven and not behavior driven. Well, so, so what you're describing is what we talk to coaches about all the time. Learn how to do the job yeah. that somebody else yeah. has set out for you yeah. so well that you can then spot the areas where you feel like you could do the job better. Right. And then bring up that I feel like there's a better way for us to do this. And if that person doesn't share your vision, move on. And that's literally what happens. And and frankly, that's the empathetic thing to do for both parties. Yeah. Because had you stayed, it would be to suck from the proverbial tit of the boss. I didn't want to be a part of what I knew was actually happening. Once I, once I saw the behind the scenes, I didn't like what was happening. I didn't like how business was being done. I didn't like how people were being taken care of. I didn't think people were being taken care of. I think. And did you have your nutrition education at this point or not yet? So at this time I was still in school, still in school at this time. Um, got like a personal training cert, but nothing specifically for nutrition at that time. Okay. So, so I want to, I want to pause there for a second because this sounds to me like about your, at this point you're, you're working as a teacher. Yes. No, I'm not yet. So you're still in school. Okay. So this is where you're getting introduced to the idea that you could potentially coach people online because someone's letting you do it for them. Right. Then you go become a teacher. And now at this point you've transitioned into, I'm taking clients on my own. Yeah. So eventually long story short, I ended up leaving the business because I didn't like how things were being done. I didn't like how people were being taken care of. And I said, I'm going to go do this on my own. Like I still want to help these people. I don't want to just drop these clients, but I don't want to do it through him anymore. I don't like how this is being done. And so I just started coaching people on my own and eventually like, you know, filed for an S corp and like became legit and all that jazz while I'm in school. And so then when I finished undergrad, I was like, I want to stay in school. Like I still have so much more to learn. I want to learn way more about nutrition. I want to learn way more about exercise. And that's when I stayed in school to do my master's in exercise science. And so Adelphi had this really cool program where they have in their ex phys program, they also have an opportunity to do a graduate assistantship. Mm -hmm. So in that assistantship, they take five people from all over the country you know, interview a ton of people, they choose five. And instead of that master's program being like a two to three year long program, you do it in one year accelerated tuition is paid for, but you're working as a grad assistant. So you're running all the labs, you're teaching undergrad classes. Um, And so I interviewed for it. I got that position. So I literally finished undergrad in May for my dual bachelor's and started this master's in July. And then that was through the following August. So that was, I wasn't teaching during then because it was full time. So I did five years straight of school back to back between my three degrees. And in March, so this program ended in August of 2015. In March of 2015, someone called my, one of my college professors, a athletic director from the high school that I then taught at or was going to be teaching at, called one of my professors and said, hey, I need someone. Um, I need a health and PE teacher that also has like a background in exercise science nutrition, personal training. And he's like, I got the perfect person. So I went and interviewed at this school in the city and, um, and I got the job in March for the following for September, September school year. Right. Which was so cool. Cause I knew that getting out of school, like I already had a job. So I kind of like during that master's program, it was, I mean, it was brutal. It was 13 months of 6 AM to 11 PM. Yeah, that's, that's, you how, that's how you do three it years was, in a year. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was brutal. And it was, 6 a.m. to, you know, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. You were working as a grad assistant. And then 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. You had your grad classes. And then I lived an hour from the school. Well, And so there's, there's things I want people who are listening to be able to pick up on. And that is that you've been becoming who you are now the mm-hmm. entire time. Yeah. I mean, from yeah. since when you were a kid watching dad going to bodybuilding right. shows, right. you were, you were getting your formative experiences. You were learning what it took to, to be successful. You saw dad train. You started playing competitive sports. You, you right. understood what it was like to be successful there. You went and learned the wrong way. You made mistakes with your own diet, with your own exercise. Yeah. You learned the right way. Then you learned the intricacies and the nuance of more right, less right, 
better for you. Right. And then you were like, okay, I'm going to go do this on my own. Yeah. And I imagine that when you went off and you were like, okay, I'm going to leave school. I'm going to leave teaching. I'm going to start this business. There was still a lot of like, I think I know what I'm doing. So here's the thing. I was running my business on the side of, of teaching still. We- yeah. So I got that job in 2015. I probably started coaching on the side in 2013, 2014, got the teaching job in 2015. We're now in 2020. Right. And I only left teaching. This is my first school year not teaching. How's so it feel? It feels awesome. <laughs> it feels great. Was, it, was, was there a financial threshold that you felt like you needed to get to to be able to say, I'm not going to teach anymore? Um, yes and no. I This past year was a very interesting growth year for me um, health-wise, financially, mentally, emotionally. Um, and so the money honestly was the least of my worries. And I feel really like blessed to say that because my husband, well, my husband's a financial advisor, so we do a good job of saving and we -hmm. know, you know, he knows how to budget our everything out accordingly and he does well. And so I never felt, I never had a fear of if I leave teaching, what if I don't make enough? Because truth be told, I am so passionate about the things that I do that I knew if I poured my heart and soul into something, it would be successful. Well, and I wanted to make sure that you you got to that because was it that you weren't concerned you wouldn't make enough because your husband makes enough? Or is it you weren't concerned you wouldn't make enough because you're like, no, I'm just going to do it. I know. I knew I would just own it and mm-hmm. and rock it. And so it wasn't even like my husband's, you know, salary aside, I knew that if I knew what I was making doing this on the side. And I said, if I'm doing this and this is my side hustle and I'm running myself into the ground because I'm up at four in the morning, I go train before the school day. Then I go, I walk to the gym, I walk home, get ready for school, go to school all day, get out of school. Then I'm doing client work all night and I'm lesson planning and grading all night. And then I'm getting in bed by 8 p.m. because I need to be up at four for the gym the next day. And it was just... 16 hours of work. Like well, the I th- I second that- I woke up to the second I went to bed and I was getting so burnt out. And I got to this point where I said, if I don't give up one, I'm going to be burnt out on both. And then I'm not going to want to do either. I so think- something's got to give. I- I'm with you. And I think that there's a misconception that people have. If they come from a place where financial stability is less available, when somebody who has a second spouse, right? I mean, you had your husband was earning some money. I had my wife was earning some money when right. I decided I didn't want to do the clinic or the gym anymore. And I've had people say like, yeah, you say you were only making $30,000 a year as a gym owner, an event planner, an online business owner at the same time, working 17 hour days, but your wife was making a living. Right. So like it was easy for you to make the decision. And I think that what people misunderstand is- Is one, how expensive New York is. Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> that, that money goes nowhere in there, New York. There's that. But the other part of that is you don't want to- yeah. depend on somebody else. Yeah. You want to contribute. Right. So it's like, yeah, sure. That was there. Yeah. But it wasn't like, I imagine for you it was similar. It wasn't yeah. just, oh yeah, well if I fail, I'll just ride my husband's coattails. Right. No, no, no. It was never like that. And, and truth be told, the, the thing in the back of my head was, God forbid, if by some chance this whole coaching full-time thing doesn't work out, I still have my teaching degree and I could go back to teaching and What's your worst easier case said than done. Right. Because teaching jobs are hard to find in New York, but my worst case scenario was going back to something that I loved anyway. Well, And your worst case scenario was doing what you were currently doing. Right. And that's what so many people I think deal with. Like right. they're like, what would happen if all this went to hell? Well, could you go back and get your job again? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well then you're okay. living your worst right. case scenario. And that was what was super eye opening for me was one of my very close friends said, what's worst case scenario. And I was like, I'd have to go back to teaching. And I was like, and he said, would that be the worst thing ever? And I'm like, no, I love teaching. He's like, well, there you go. Like, so take the chance on yourself, right? If you're not even worried about the money because you think you're going to be successful and your worst case scenario is going back to something that you loved anyway, then it's a no brainer. So give me a 10,000 foot view of what somebody who's working with you mm-hmm. is doing. What, what is the service that you give? Who is your client? Sure. So typical, my typical client is a lifestyle gym goer 
who is wanting to become more educated on nutrition and fitness. That way they have the knowledge and the confidence to do it on their own. Perfect. Are you writing them workout plans? Are you writing them nutrition plans or is it just, okay. Both. So what I find really interesting about that is I think that a lot of people who listen to this are coaches in gyms Mm -hmm. who are like, I do some nutrition coaching, but it's on the side. Like it's, it might be, yeah. but they're like, they're through the gym or they get someone who asked them and they're like, yeah, 75 bucks. I'll do it. I have a client right now who I'm working with. Her name is Hannah. She's a phenomenal nutrition coach for her client. She over delivers for all of them. She undercharges what they pay her. Hannah, if you're listening, we've already discussed this. You're probably not doing that anymore, but she was when this came out. Yeah. And, um, to make a long story short, Many of them don't know how to take their nutrition education and turn it into a full-blown business. And part of the problem is they're charging $75, $100 a month for a client. And it's like, well, how many, how many clients do you, do you need? Yeah. And can yeah. you do a good job for right. that To make clients? it up in volume. Yeah. Yes. So how should they be thinking? Like, I want you to put yourself, if you can into the mind of a coach who right now is coaching, let's say 15 to 20 hours of fitness per week in a group setting or one-on-one and has 15 to 20 clients who work Which with them. Which is a good amount. Yeah. Yeah. Work with them online. And this, this translates to people who have five or who right. want to have right. 20. It doesn't matter. I just, the perfect person right now for this is they have 15 clients. Okay. So they have this like, yeah, I can do this thought. But at the same time, they're not making enough money. They're burning themselves out. What is step one? Oh, that's a good question. I I I think step one is taking inventory of what actually ignites your fire. Because if your heart and your passion is not in nutrition coaching, then you shouldn't be making so it a it full-time is. gig. It is. Let's, let's go to, they're like, no, I, okay. Joel, so I want to be, yeah, I want to be a nutrition coach. This so fitness coaching thing is cool, but I want, right. I want an online nutrition brand. So then I would say to start from a backwards approach, instead of saying, what am I going to give this person? I want you to think about when that client ends with you, what do you want them to know? What should they have gained by working with you? So let's say it's a 12 week program, a three month program. Forget even like, let's say you don't even have a client yet. What do you want that person to know from you? And then build out that program or that plan based on what you want their end results to be. What is that transformation? Is it a mental transformation? Is it an emotional transformation? Is it a physical transformation of getting their body to look a different way? Because you can't build out the program until you know what you want their transformation to be. So you're essentially saying start with the end in mind yeah, and then figure out what must be true right. for that to, to become work, the end. To happen. Yeah. Okay. So, and so for me, I wanted them to feel educated and I wanted them to feel confident. And so if their body was a part of that, changing their body was a part of that, then that's what we're going to work on. If changing their mindset and their relationship with food and their relationship with exercise is a part of that, then that's something we're going to work on. Um, but it's also one of those things that you also have to, there's a fine line of, of wanting to help someone, but also wanting to stay in your own lane. And you also, and this is something that like, I cannot say enough to coaches is to, stay in your scope of practice and not go beyond that. And, well, and that depends on who the client is now, right? Because right? is that what you're getting at? Yeah. I, I shouldn't have cut you off. Yes. No, it, no, it's it, okay. sound, it sounded like what you were describing was, if this is the outcome that you want, who is the person who wants yes. that outcome? Yes. When and so- you have to be able to accept that you are not always going to be able to, the, to be the person to get them there. Dude, we, we, that is the number one thing. The first thing that we teach gyms who come on and work with us is a gym program in our pro path. That's what we call it when we teach gyms how to become the healthcare clinic of the future and make a lot of money doing it or a coach who comes on to work with us one-on-one. We're like the number one thing you need to know is specifically what problem you solve. Yep. Number two, 100% through what process do you solve that problem? Mm -hmm. Number three, why are you uniquely fit to solve it? And number four, who has that problem? Mm. And if you know those four things, when somebody comes in who doesn't fit, you know your ideal client. Yes. And if someone doesn't fit your ideal client, what do you do? 
Uh, I tell them. I usually will either give them resources of people to refer out. Sometimes I double check with another coach ahead of time, like, hey, I have this person. Um, they have a, you know, a thyroid issue or they have a, um, a, you know, major physical therapy issues from prior injuries or, you know, you have to know to refer out. And so sometimes I'll go directly to that coach and say, hey, I have someone that X, Y, and Z. Is this someone you'd want to take? I'll, you know, give them your name and number. Um, but first and foremost, I'm upfront with that person and say, look, this is what you will get from me. This is what you will not get from me. So if you're looking for someone to help you with X, Y, and Z, I can do that. But if you're looking for A, B, and C, let me refer you to this person because I want you to get the help you need. And I'm happy to give away business if it's beyond my scope of practice, because I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I can wear every single hat. Well, when you say beyond, I want people to make sure, I want to make sure they understand what you mean. It's not that it's too advanced for you. It's that it's not the kind of client you want to help. Right. So if someone came to you, for example, I imagine it was like, look, I want to, I want to pitch for the Seattle Mariners and I need to pack on 20 pounds of muscle and this amount of time. It might be like, look, dude, this is yeah, like not I, I could do it, but am I the best person for it for you? Probably not. And so someone who's new starting that business out, how do you, like, what's the thought process of, uh, you're telling me I need to make money, I need to charge more, and you're telling me I should send that money out to mm-hmm. somebody else. How do those things reconcile? Because yeah. that's the hard thing. I, I see it all the time. We teach coaches in the very beginning in our pro path, pick the clients who you could help right now with the skills you already have without learning anything new, determine what's frustrating them about their problem and then go talk to them about it. And when they come back with their list, I'm like, what are their problems? And oftentimes at least half of that list is somebody who's dealing with aches and pains. And I'm like, what is step three for helping somebody with aches and pains? Like, I have no idea. I'm like, do not take that client. You're not ready for that client yet. Mm. Get five more who yeah. you already can help yes. today. Yes. So how, like what's the mindset for you of Joelle, I need to make more money. I can't send these clients away. I think there is a big difference between taking someone that you're not ready for and taking someone that's just not your ideal client. Mm-hmm. And so I don't ever recommend taking someone that you are not advanced enough for But I definitely think that starting out, for me personally, I did have to work with people that were not my ideal client until I became more choosy and more successful and more advanced in my practices. I think starting out, I did have clients that were not necessarily my ideal person. And look, I'm I'm no business coach, so I, I am sure that a business coach would maybe give some different advice here. But starting out, like I just wanted the experience of working with anyone. And so I put in the time and the energy and the effort to help that person as much as I could, um, even if they weren't my exact ideal client. And then as my business grew and as I became more advanced, I was also able to really figure out who my ideal client was. And then I was able to get a lot more choosy about who I did choose to work with. So I think that the big thing you nailed there was there, there are two schools of thought on this and I've heard both. One school is from day one, identify exactly who you want to work with and don't take anybody else. Yeah, I disagree. School two is say yes to everybody because you don't know who you're going to like helping yet. How do you know who your ideal client is? Just like how I mentioned the freshmen and the seniors, right? I thought I would hate those seniors, love the freshmen. And it was the total opposite because until you start working with a certain person or demographic or whatever else, you don't really know what your niche is or your specialty is or what really lights your fire the most. Are you familiar with Dr. Andy Galpin? No. Okay. That's okay. You would probably like his Instagram page and his whatever other social media he's on. But he was a guest on the podcast like a year and a half, two years ago. Wow. It was a while ago. And he was talking about too many new coaches are saying no too often because the advice from the top is say no all the time. Like you need to learn how to say no. And he's like, the reason why I got my job as whatever he is, big wig at Cal State Fullerton in like his thirties is because I said yes to working at a health fair in the rain, taking random people's blood pressure, even though I had no interest in taking random people's blood pressure in the rain at a health fair. And the moral of the story is if you don't know, like if right now you're like, I don't think I would like working with that kind of person, but you never have. It's okay to take them and be honest that look, 
I'm going to have to learn with you a little bit. Right. And if, if that's, if that's okay with you, I would love the challenge and I will work as hard as I need to work to learn what I need to learn to help you the way you need to be helped. And the client usually really respects that. The honesty. Yeah. Right. But the mistake is when you've been in business for a year, two, three, four, and you're like, whether you want to be an Olympic athlete or you're a grandma who just wants to be able to get off the couch, I can help you. It's like, yeah, you can. But, but do you need you? you. Yeah. Right. Do you need to? Yeah. Exactly. And that's, and that's where it's a different story. You know, now I've had this business six or seven years and I do things a lot differently than I did when I first started out as we all should. I'm sure that you're, you're the way you do business is different than no, it was exactly, five years ago. exactly the same, right? Clearly <laughs> over there. Yeah. <laughs> you handle people differently and you learn new things. I mean, especially in a field where, I mean, health and fitness nutrition and exercise science. I mean, there are always new developments happening. So as soon as something is new or a new study comes out, like you have to adapt and you have to grow with that. Um, and so if you're doing the same thing as you were doing 10 years ago or even five years ago, like you're doing your client a disservice. We had, uh, we recently had our first, we call it cohort one workshop too. So ProPath 1.2, which means the group that came out, the first group that ever came out, yeah. came out for their second of four workshops. Gotcha. And one of the guys in attendance was like, hey, um, so the pricing that you went over is different than the pricing that we talked about last time. And I said, last time when? And he's like, not at the last workshop, when you and I last spoke. First, oh. And I was like, oh, how, how long ago was that? Remind me, he's like, a month ago. I'm like, oh yeah, got it this is better. Do this. And it was just like, yeah, I was, I was wrong a month ago and I'm not going to wait a year to tell you something new because I, I made a mistake yeah. a month ago. Yeah. This is better now. That was the best yeah. I knew then. Yeah. This is better now. So my question for you that, that comes from all of this is I don't know much about your business infrastructure, but it's from the outside looking and it looks like it's you. Yeah. Okay. Tell me. So one of the things that we work with entrepreneurs on is, is thinking about the idea of how much of your time and energy is spent on vision, how much of your time and energy is spent on maintenance, and how much mm-hmm. of your time and energy is spent on problem solving. Yeah. And that the rate of your business is going to grow based on how fast you can do the maintenance yeah. work, yep. how effectively you can do the problem solving, and how abundantly you can do the vision. Yeah. How do you divide up your energy? <sighs> By spreading myself too thin. Got it. Deal. <laughs> um, <Okay>. So <laughs> funny that you ask. I'm actually in the process right now of hiring my first assistant Ooh, coach. Okay. Um, does Does this person already know that they're being hired? Or are you looking? Uh, both. They already know they're being hired, but that won't be the last of my hirees. Got it. And they're probably probationary. Yes. So it will probably won't be like official till March. So I'm not dropping any names yet, but I basically literally put on Instagram, Hey, I'm going to need an assistant coach. This is what I'm looking for. I want someone with experience. I want someone X, Y, and Z and, um, and send a resume to, to this email address. And I got a ton and it was actually really, really cool and really humbling. Cause I was like, Oh my God, like people want to work with me. This is so cool. Uh, so that was like a really exciting process. And I mean, then there's that battle of like, you feel bad telling people no, you feel bad rejecting people, but you want to choose the right person. And there were a lot of people that were like, I've never coached before, but I want to be a coach. And I think it'd be really cool to learn under you. And I'm like, I love that. And I appreciate that so much, but I don't have time to train a coach on how to be a coach. Um, so you're looking for, so right now what you're looking for is someone who's going to come in and do exactly what I do. Coaching and you just want to, yes. so what is it that you're going to tweak on them? Or is there anything you're going to tweak? About what they do. Yeah. So essentially, I the per, the first person that I have found already has a health and fitness coaching company, and she's basically willing to absolve her company to come work for me. Damn. Which again, like really freaking cool mm-hmm. because like whoa that that person and her you know what she said to me was I have such like the vision that you have for your company is the vision that I have of your company, and so I see your company doing really, really well and you being really successful. And I know that you won't let it fail. And I want to be a part of that with you. Some people are better off as number twos than number ones. And a really good expression that I like. that's okay. No, it's great. You don't have to be number one. My number two is a rock star. Right. And he, he would be the first person to tell you, I had no interest in being number one, man. Yeah. 
And yeah. and frankly, I have no interest in being number two. And that was basically her her thing was right. And I love being number one. And she was basically like, look, I, I'm number one. And it's a lot of work. Like I'd kind of rather just be number mm-hmm. two and have someone else in charge and whatnot, but still get to do what I love. And For so sure. we run very, very similar coaching practices in terms of nutrition and exercise and check-ins and things like that. Um, and so how do I do it all? Uh, well, I've done it all myself, um, for years and years. And so part of leaving teaching was, Hey, I knew, I knew what I could, I knew I was maxed out on time during my school year with, you know, I couldn't take more than five, 10 clients because I was swamped. You know, teaching is one of those jobs that like, it doesn't end when the, when the bell rings, no. like now you're grading, now you're lesson planning, now you're making phone calls home. You're now, sending now you're an oriental letters training, to Paris. Looking for the best right, product. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Oriental training. Yeah. So, um, or those go And you by the way, get, like, if you don't know, that was not a racist. It's, it's a <laughs> that was a magazine a where you get cheap, uh, yeah. cheap All knickknacks, trinkets, balls, stuff, everything. Yeah. yeah. So I knew that through that teaching school year, I was maxed out on time. And I knew that if I wanted to take more clients and I wanted to help more people, I needed to leave teaching. And so I did. And now I've gotten to the point, mind you, so school let out in June where, you know, seven, eight months that I'm all in, right? right. On we're my recording business. this at the end of January. Right. So we're about seven or eight months all in, quote unquote, on me doing my business on my own. And after about the five month mark, I was like, okay, I'm like maxed out again. And when you realize that you are the only thing stopping you from. You are the bottleneck. Yeah. (laughs) When you realize you're the only thing stopping you from getting better or growing or being even more successful, you're like, well, now what? Like I've, I've hit my max here. Like I hit my max teaching. Now I get out of teaching and I max out my business again, six months in. And I'm like, well, if I want to keep moving up, then like, I gotta, I gotta let go of my type a anal. I want to do it all myself thing. And I got to learn how to delegate because if I don't, I'm going to be limiting my own success. Done that. Still working on it. What I will tell you, if, if it's any, I don't know, prize for you not consolation it's a congratulations (laughs) um is just prepare for the wild west yeah like you're you're gonna do a a whole other ball game when you start hiring yeah exactly because you go from being the person who has to deliver service to being the person who has to facilitate the delivery of of service yeah it's a totally different skill set yeah i always thought like yeah i'll just hire someone and tell them to do what i did yeah no it doesn't work that not not (laughs) quite like that doesn't work that way yeah so uh i wish you um the best of thick skin yeah, thank you're gonna, you. You're gonna thank need you. it, and you're gonna. You're hey, gonna we're have New it. Yorkers. We 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 have pretty thick skin. Yes. Well, and that's that's why you gotta be careful who you hire. Yeah. Because if they're oh, not New Yorker, more than anything, it's a trust thing. It's like a how do I know I'm not gonna get burned? You right? Yeah. I mean, just any time I think you hire, or any especially that first hire. I feel like the first hire is probably the hardest because you're like letting someone into this baby that you've built for so many it's, years. It's the hardest until you let that person hire. Then mm-hmm. that's the hardest because you're like, wait a minute. Did I teach you how to hire the right person? Yeah. Are you going to develop them properly? Right. Uh, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Good yeah. advice. It's not good I mean, advice. It's it's so it's just, once, it's, just <laughs> it's experience and we'll see it. We'll see. Yeah. I get well, that. The next podcast we'll talk about how it's been managing a staff member. Yeah. Yeah. That's I think that I'll listen to that one. <laughs> but you'll be or maybe on I'll it. be we'll recording talk, that one with yeah, you. We'll be yeah. talking about it. Yeah. Definitely. So just long story short, I mean you know, you said, how do you manage it all? I did for a really long time. It was just a matter of massive time management. Mm -hmm. It was, you had to master the shit out of your own schedule from 4am to 5.30am. I'm working out from 5.30am to 6.30am. I'm home. I'm showering. I'm eating from, I'm walking to school 7am to three. I'm at school three to this. I'm there this time to this time. I'm grading this time to this time I'm coaching. And the biggest, I will always, always say this, the biggest key to stress management is time management. And so if you can better manage your time, you can better manage your stress because the things we stress about are like, oh my God, there's not enough hours in the day. I don't have enough time to get this done, right? 99% of the things we stress about are like, I have too much on my plate. Mm -hmm. But if you can better manage that time, you'll better manage your stress. So for me, being able to quote unquote, do it all was just 
being able to manage my time. And now that my time is maxed out, that's when I'm like, okay, now I need to hire someone. And I think that the valuable lesson there that people need to be able to take home is you're going to have to do more than you should be doing for as long as you can do that. Yep. And then you have to resign to the fact that the amount of money that you're making from the extra work that you're yeah. doing isn't actually Worth. yours. Yeah. You're hiring somebody else with some of the money that you were making so that you can make more in time yeah. and do less yep. or do different is what I right. should really say. But it's, it's, but that's, your time can be better well spent. Yeah. Well, that, well, that's, yeah. that's the hard part for people. They go yeah. from like, I'm, but Dr. Sean, I'm right. making a hundred thousand dollars right. a year. I'm making $75,000 right. a year. Now I don't want to give up 30 or 40 of it to somebody else. Right. Like you're not, you're, you're parking it. And perfect example. I know we're like starting to wrap up here. So I'll just give you one quick example. My, I just launched a, a new program that is a nutrition and fitness program that basically gets rid of your need to have me as a coach, which some people are like, well, why would you do that? And I'm like, because I want people to be able to do this on their own without having, having to hire a one-on-one coach. And so I just put out this program and I stupidly designed the entire thing myself because like, like really no other design. reason, the graphic design. Yeah. yeah. Like I built out a 150 page document myself and designed it myself and I know tons (laughs) I was just stupid but and really it kind of just happened like I started working on it and I started writing up the raw material and then I just started putting it into a template to like see what it would look like and how it would lay out and sure enough I'm two months into it and I'm like oh my god this is so much work like why did I not delegate like this would have been the perfect opportunity to outsource and I didn't. And as a result, I couldn't take on new clients for eight weeks. Mm-hmm. I was still servicing my current clients, so I still had money coming in. But I didn't take on new people for eight weeks because I was so elbow deep into it at that time that I was like, oh, I'm, I'm halfway through this now. Now I'm not giving and it to someone else. I can't teach somebody else right. how to go through I can't my teach, Right. So I just you live and you learn, but I ended up doing that whole thing myself. And so I had said to one of my friends who was like, you know, why did you do it? I'm like, I really like the design part. Like I like doing the digital design and the graphic stuff. And they're like, just because you like it doesn't mean it's the best use of your time. And so now you just gave up eight weeks worth of what could have been bringing on new clients because your ego got the best of you and you wanted to do that yourself. Mm -hmm. You wanted to do that yourself when you could have paid someone, whatever, 500 bucks to do it. You would have made that back in two sales or whatever. And there you go. And now you just lost those eight weeks of clients. So don't be afraid to delegate. Don't be afraid to ask for help when you need it. And don't be a hero. Like I don't get an extra freaking award because I designed that thing myself. People aren't paying extra because I designed it myself and didn't outsource it. Like it doesn't make a difference. And when you have to edit it and rebuild it. Oh my gosh. It's, it's going to be, it should probably be somebody else. Yeah. So never again will I do that. I will outsource from now on. It was a, it was a lesson learned. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but a lesson that you have to learn, you well, know, on your own. Something to think about for you as you go forward. Um, all, all of our staff members come through our education platform. They have to take our education first. Love they that. have to pay for it. Yep. That's, I mean, and there's no guarantee of hire thereafter. Hmm. So if you find yourself with some free time, maybe building the course to get somebody the education right. that they need right. to work for you so that they can go start their own business if they yeah. want. And then you just grab the rock stars and pull them in. Right. That's a good idea. Joel, where can people find you if they want to get more out of you? Sure. So biggest platform I'm on is Instagram. Um, my handle is Joel Samantha. So just J-O-E-L-L-E. Samantha, mm-hmm. <laughs> I figured people know, know how to spell that one. We'll make sure we get um, in the show notes. Yeah. Too. My website is joelsamantha.com. Uh, but you could find me most on Instagram and I would absolutely love if you guys give this a listen, please, please, please shoot me a message on Instagram. I am always in my inbox. I answer all my DMs. So please, if you listen to this, if it resonated with you at all, let me know. I'd love to connect with you. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming on. All right, that's going to be a wrap for this episode of the Active Life Podcast. And guys, remember, remember, if you are looking to enhance your fitness business, if you're sitting there thinking, man, I would love to be able to go on vacations. I would love to be able to 
take two weeks off and not have my business fall apart. And most importantly, most importantly, if you want to be a part of the movement that we are creating, facilitating, and seeing come to life, which is coaches and gyms becoming the healthcare clinic of the future, helping people who've gotten hurt working out, helping people who've been told they have to work out around that, having people be told they're too old to do that, find new hobbies. If hearing things like that for your clients is frustrating for you and you want to learn the skills to solve those problems and also get paid very well to do it, head to activelifeprofessional.com and let's get talking. Till then, turn pro.